Hey, welcome to the Pink Lid Podcast. My name is Alyssa Schall, and I'm the founder of the Pink Lid Conference. The Pink Lid started way back in 2006 and is held annually in South Florida. Hundreds of girls from all over Florida join us every October. This week, we released the Pink Lid 2019, Restored, which will be October 18th and 19th. The definition of restored is to repair or to return something to its former condition. Our hope is that your self-worth, your purity, and your heart will be restored to what God has purposed for it. And girls, we have a new location this year. It's going to be at the home of City Lift Church, the church that my husband and I pastor, Northeast High School. Our auditorium only seats 600, so we only have 600 tickets up for grab. Once we're sold out, we are sold out. So make sure to get your ticket early. Right now, the tickets are on sale for only $25 each. That's the cheapest they're going to be. On July 1st, they're going to go up to $35. Okay, so enough business. On today's podcast, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Vanessa Gracia Cruz. She's one of our speakers every year at conference. This message is from the Pink Lid novel. Pastor Vanessa shares how to accept the plan God has for your life and not compare it to others. She shares about Rachel and Leah in the Bible. It's one of my favorite messages ever. So here's Vanessa. this story really quick. We're talking about letting God write our stories. So I want to share with you guys something about two young girls in the Bible. The Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 29, it tells the story of two young sisters. Um, I started studying this story a few weeks ago because God really put it in my heart to share this with you guys at the Pink Lit. So I started studying the story of Leah and Rachel. Has anybody heard the story of Leah and Rachel before? Show of hands. Okay, so a good, a good few of you. If you haven't heard it already, we're going to skip around a little bit in their story. And I'm going to give you a really, really juicy look at their story. How many of you guys like juicy, dramatic stories? With a lot of drama. It's always good if there's some, some you know, romance involved, right? All right, I see you guys. That's what you like. You want the juice, right? So these young girls, as I studied the story, I found out that these girls were most likely twin sisters. The Bible says that they're sisters. But as I studied more, I discovered that they're most likely twin sisters. And they were about 14 years of age. The older one who was, if they were twins, she was maybe an hour older, a few minutes older, a little bit older. Her name was Leah. And the younger sister, her name was Rachel. And when the story opens up in Genesis chapter 29, 17, it says this about the two sisters. It says, Leah had gentle eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. So we see that right from the onset of their story, the two sisters are being compared. Right? Have you guys ever been compared to anyone? Do you like it? We don't like it, right? How many of you guys in here have sisters? Do you like being compared to your sister? No one likes being compared to their sister, right? So... These two sisters, they're very close to your ages. A lot of you guys in here are 14, 15, 16. Right on the onset of their story, it says Leah had gentle eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. And so a lot of people who study this story, like theologians and scholars, which we're not going to get into any of that, like deep 
stuff right now, but I really wanted to look into what it meant when it said that Leah had gentle eyes because I've heard some preachers preach about this before and I feel like a lot of preachers, they run away with it. They're like, Leah was butt ugly, nobody wanted her, she was terrible. And then when you actually read the story, it just says she has gentle eyes. So I looked into it and I looked into the original Hebrew and it turns out that when it says she has gentle eyes, that word for gentle is the Hebrew word rakar which means, I know you guys have never heard that word before, but I'll tell you, it means tender, delicate, or refined. So Leah was not necessarily ugly. She was probably not as pretty as her sister, but she wasn't ugly. She was probably just more delicate, maybe more shy. Whenever I imagine Leah, I imagine her as maybe the nerdier one, the more studious one. She was the eldest child, and you guys, do you guys know like what eldest children usually do? They usually take care of their younger brothers and sisters, and we're usually a lot more obedient because our parents beat us every day, but then they ran out of energy and they never corrected our younger brothers and sisters. All the, all the eldest children in here, it's time to heal, heal our hearts. Um, in, another tr in another translation, it also says that it could represent that she had loving or caring eyes. So it could be exactly what I was saying. She was the older sister. Maybe she was a lot more motherly, a lot more caring, a little bit more mature. But she was definitely probably more um, reserved or, or shy. And then it says Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. So we know that she was beautiful. This means that she was probably less shy, more outgoing, um, most likely, I'm thinking if she's the younger sister, she probably had a little bit of a wild side, a little bit more, more spark. You guys know those sisters that have a little bit more spark? So when I read this story and I started thinking into um, what I think Leah was like and what I think Rachel was a little, bit a, a little bit like, it struck a chord with me because I identified a little bit because I have a younger sister. So I'm going to ask my younger sister, Jessie, to come up here for a second. There she is. And if I can ask the media team to put that picture up that I brought. So this picture is me and my sister in a nutshell. You can see there's a lot of sassiness going on on this left-hand side. Of, or what's my right hand? Your left-hand side. Um, you'll also notice I have no makeup on. I, I really don't have patience to like do my makeup pretty much ever. So like just skip that step. Um, you'll see I'm more just like kind of, maybe I'm like Leah, I have gentle eyes, also that could be translated to like kind of goofy eyes, but that's okay. So my sister and I are very different, and when I read this story, it reminded me a little bit of us, because I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit more refined, I'm a little bit more, um, how would we, how would we say it, a little bit more... <laughs> She's saying gentle over here. Is, is that what you're trying to say? Is it on? Let me, let me see this. <laughs> is it going to work? Hello. Oh, oh, there we go. Hey. Okay, so um, I'm, I was going to say a little bit more reserved and a little bit more serious. And my that sister works. being, I'm one of the oldest in our family. It's me and then my brother, Rue, and then... It's Jesse and my littlest, my smallest brother, JJ. So they're the younger ones. So they were always a little bit more rambunctious. We were wildin'. Yeah, always a little bit more wild. 
I was a little bit more of a goody two-shoes growing up. I liked to read. Like, if you found, like, seven-year-old me, if it was really quiet in the house, I was just probably reading or, like, doing my homework. Um, and me, when I was seven, I liked to create stories instead of read stories. So I loved playing with babies, playing with Barbies, playing with my sister's makeup when she didn't know I was around in her bathroom. I Cut. liked creating my life into like a fantasy. Cutting up my clothes to sew them into other clothes. Oh yeah, definitely for like a little phase, I, I thought I was a fashion designer. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> a little bit more of a thinker, I guess you would say. Like I think things through before I say them, before I do them. And my sister. And I'm more of like, you know what? I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to do what I do. And let's just go with the flow. I don't have to study for this test. I don't have to prepare. I'll just, you know. All right. Yeah. I'll be here all week. My sister over there, Miss, uh, Miss America over here, when we were younger and we'd go out on trips together, you know, now I, I got saved because I stay with my husband now and I, I don't have to stay in the room with her anymore because it was, used to drive me nuts because first of all this girl gets to a hotel room and she dominates the entire space with her things she yeah just, I just have to see everything she so, you unpacks know. her 47 suitcases when I brought like a carry-on gotta be prepared and then in the morning what how much longer how much do you take well you know what I have to like I have this whole regimen. If you guys were in my, you know, thing over there, I was telling you that I just love to do so many things, you know, to my skin and stuff like that. So if we got to leave the house at 9, I got to wake up at 7. I have to sit in my bed, mentally prepare my mind. I have to listen to a song. I have to go in the shower. I have to take a bubble bath. I have to do my hair. I have to do my makeup. I have to... There's just a lot of things I have to do. And my sister, she literally will be in the hotel and like I'm, I've been there for like two hours doing my makeup and everything. I'm all ready. And my sister wakes up in 10 minutes. She goes like that, runs to the shower, comes out in 10 minutes and she's ready and fabulous and already ready. And I'm like, oh, I should try that. I'm like, I'm out of here. If it doesn't take 15 minutes, I don't have time for it. For real. There's, there's no time for this. I'm out. My sister, and we'll, we'll wrap this up now because I'll, I'll get into my actual message, but my sister being the younger, more wild one is also like the more athletic one. So this one, we went skiing last year for the first time or the year before last. The year before last. So the first year we go skiing, we go up with these ski instructors and they're like, okay, well, you know, first we're going to put you guys on the bunny slopes and then we're going to do this. So I'm like with the ski instructors, like going nice and slow. I fall like 47 times because I have zero coordination. Like... I am just not athletic. It's so, so sad. I also can't dance. It's also very sad because I'm Dominican. It doesn't make any sense. But so I have no coordination between my brain and my body. I'm literally going to ask Jenny to help me un understand that phenomenon, why there's none. And my sister goes behind the teacher's back, the ski teacher's back, to go on like the, what the was it, like the, the black the diamond <laughs> level ski things the first time we ski. And Gotta she live. survives. Wildin. First of all, why? Second of all, how did you live and survive God's that? God's grace. But anyway, so if you guys don't believe, like, we were literally born this way. Like, we didn't decide to be so different. We were born this way. If you don't believe us, can you guys put up that other picture that I brought? Aww. 
This is our childhood in a nutshell. You missed my chanclas in the picture. Yeah, she had some really funny chanclas. But anyway, um, so the sassiness, like it was there always. I believe that when this picture was taken is when we should have realized something was, was a little bit different about this one. And the goofiness also always there. <laughs> Literally just looking always like that. Lost, but smiling though, but smiling though. Okay, so thanks Jess. Hold on, Vanit. The biggest this is difference my of us, though, is that you like white guys that look Chinese, and I like my guys like I like my coffee. Strong and black. Bye. <laughs> Why is Gracie standing up? You guys are very excited about that strong, dark, strong coffee. I need you guys to relax. All right, so right off the bat, who here is a Jessie? Right off the bat, who's the Jessie sister? Okay, put your hands down. Who's the Vanessa sister? All right, so I have some, some sisters out there with me. So when I read the story of, I got you guys all riled up. Okay, so when I read the story of Leah and Rachel, I kind of think of them as if they were me and my sister. They're two sisters that are totally different, and there's not really any comparing, because we're really different, but each of us has our own strengths, and each of us has our own faults, and each of us has our own story. There is nothing that I lack in order to complete my story. If I was trying to be in my sister's story, or if I was trying to do what my sister was called to do, I would fail because I don't have the personality or the gifts or the things that my sister has. And if my sister was trying to be in my story, she would fail because she doesn't have the giftings or the talents or the things that I have. We were all created for our own personal story. So when I go back and I read this, the story of Leah and Rachel, it talks about their differences. It says, you know, Leah, she's all right, but she's got some gentle eyes. Rachel was a lot more beautiful. It, the story goes on to tell us that one day a young man named Jacob shows up. And Jacob, the second that he sees Rachel, that's a little sister, the second that he sees her, he falls madly in love with her. And he says, I need to marry this girl. He goes straight to her parents and he's like, I need to marry her. What do I have to do to make this happen? Like, let's get this going. I'm trying to make this happen. And the father tells him, if you work for me seven years, remember she's 14 at the time. It's like, if you work for me seven years, at the end of seven years, I will give you Rachel as your wife. And he's like, good deal. And the Bible says that he loved her so much. His love for her was so strong that the seven years pass as if they were only a few days. Is that the sweetest thing or what? So after Jacob works these seven years, now the girls are 21. Imagine, first of all, how it feels being Leah. Because in these seven years, from being 14 to being 21, the Bible doesn't say that anyone came calling for poor Leah. Nobody was looking for Leah. It's here. Um, that we know of. So um, at the end of these seven years, though, 
Leah's father, who knows, we don't really know what happened. Maybe he wanted to trick Jacob into working seven more years. Maybe he felt really bad for Leah. Like, I don't know, those firstborn children, have you ever noticed, like, your parents sometimes, they're, like, extra trying to control your life. Like, they never... They're like, they, they extra get in there. I don't know why, it's because you're the first one. So maybe he was doing a little bit of that, or maybe he just felt like, man, she's not going to find anyone, so let me help her out. So the Bible says that what their father does is he switches Leah and Rachel on the wedding day. And he tricks Jacob into marrying the wrong sister. So the Bible says that it's their wedding night that night, that Jacob sleeps with Leah, doesn't notice... So at least you know they saved themselves to a marriage because he didn't, he didn't think anything of it. And when he woke up in the morning, he was like, what in the world? You are not Rachel. That's literally what the Bible says. The Bible's juicy sometimes. It's awesome. So, so he wakes up in the morning and he finds out that he's married to the wrong sister. He goes back to the father and he's like, what did you do? Like, give me the correct sister, please. And the father says, look, if you stay, stay married to Leah... Because back in those days, you were allowed to have multiple wives. So he said, look, stay married to Leah, but if you work seven more years for me, I'll give you Rachel as well. And so he works seven more years so that he can be able to be with Rachel. So it's a beautiful love story for Rachel, but listen to what it says in the book of Genesis 29, 31, uh, starting in verse 30. It says, so Jacob slept with Rachel. This was after he married her, by the way. So... So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He stayed and worked for Laban the additional seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. So now we have these two sisters, and this is where I think the story really begins to get juicy. Because now we have one sister, Rachel, whose husband loves her. He loves her so much, he worked 14 years for her. He is going to treat her like a queen. He fell in love with her from the second he saw her. But she's unable to have any children. And then you have Leah, who her husband's not that into her. He kind of maybe tolerates her. Maybe even he loves her, but he loves her sister way more. But Leah right away is able to start popping out those babies. So these sisters are constantly, that's where the competition really starts. They start competing with each other in a competition that lasts their whole life. Because every time Leah has a baby, Rachel feels bad because she's comparing herself to her sister. And every time Leah sees Rachel going, you know, going on a walk or having a date or whatever they did back in biblical days with her sister Rachel, she feels bad because her husband doesn't love her. Both of them had something that the other wanted, but neither of them was happy with what they had because they were comparing themselves to their sister. And isn't that what happens to us sometimes? You're happy with everything in your life until you find out that your best friend has more followers than you. You are happy with everything in your life. And maybe you don't care about that, but maybe you care about different things. You are happy with everything in your life until you find out that your friend's boyfriend is way nicer to her than he is to you. You get these great grades, but you don't have the body you've always wanted, so you're not happy. Or you have the body you've always wanted, but you don't have the best grades, so you're not happy. Sometimes girls, or not sometimes girls, I think it's a thing that girls go through a lot. We're constantly comparing ourselves to someone else. 
We are constantly putting ourselves up against the measure of everyone else in the world and saying, I'm not going to be happy unless I am the best and I have the best and I have every single thing I want. And you know what, guys? That's number one, not realistic. And number two, it's not necessary. Because God has given you, like I said before at the beginning, God has given you everything that you need to be the lead in your own story. And if you look into the story, you can literally see this, this, these attitudes come out in the Bible. Leah's attitude, you can see it in Genesis 29, 32. It says, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this son also. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. Every time God gave her a gift, what did she do? Every time God gave her a gift, she thought about what she didn't have. She said, God gave me a son, maybe now my husband will love me. Okay, I have another son, maybe now my husband will love me. Okay, I have another son, maybe now my husband will love me. And as God was giving her all these gifts, she was never truly thankful for the gifts. Although she would say thanks, she wasn't truly thankful because all she could think about was what her sister had that she didn't have. Let me ask you guys a question. When was the last time you were truly thankful for something without coming... You don't have to answer out loud. I know I got you guys all rowdy at the beginning, but I'm scared now. Um, when was the last time you were truly thankful to God for something without looking to see if it was more or less or about the same as one of your friends or one of your siblings or as somebody on Instagram or as somebody on Snapchat? Usually the shoes that we get, we get them because everyone else has them and I'm not going to be the one that doesn't have them. A lot of times the clothes that we wear, we get them because we're like, I'm not looking like a nerd. You guys could look like nerds. I'm not going to look like a nerd. And we're comparing ourselves to other people. Oh, well, I don't like the hair I have. Why don't you like your hair? Because I want my hair like this. I want my hair how she has it. Oh, I don't like my nose because I want my nose like she has it. I don't like my hips because I want my hips smaller, wider, bigger, smaller, taller. We always want to be something else. We consistently want to be something else. So that's Leah's attitude. And Rachel's attitude is even more extreme. The Bible says in Genesis 29, 30, or 30, verse 1, sorry, it says, When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister and she said to Jacob, Give me children or I will die. She literally said, If I don't get what I want, I will die. I will not be happy, I will not be okay, I will not make the best of it. I'm going to be upset for the rest of my life. And when you see these attitudes, I know that some of you guys may be like, that's not me. Or, you know, that's somebody else. And maybe the examples I'm using are not the exact examples, examples that happen in your life. But I really want you guys to think how often we girls compare ourselves to one another. And we're not thankful for the things that God has given us. We don't realize that everything that God has given us is exactly what we need to accomplish what we were put on this earth to accomplish. And 2 Corinthians 10, and 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, 
For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, I know, it's literally the Bible, just says that, and comparing themselves to one another are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere that God has appointed us. Here Paul is saying, I don't compare myself to another person and I don't boast. I'm not going to brag about the things I have, but I'm not going to be unhappy about the things I have either. Because I'm going to work within the sphere that God has given me. God has given each one of us a sphere. God has given each one of us a mission. God has given each one of us a story. And we need to learn to be content and work within the things in that story. Now, I'm not saying that you can't dream and you can't want to go above that and you can't want to do more. Of course you can. But I am saying that it's futile when sometimes we look at someone else and we say, I wish I had that story. One thing I was talking with some friends about today is we were talking about how, you know, some girls get married very young. You know, we heard Alyssa's story that she got married very young. She got married within, you know, within a few months. And now, you know, years later, she's already been married for 10 years. But there were other ladies on the panel here who they're more or less the same age as Alyssa. And they haven't gotten married yet. One story is not better than the other. Each story is individual. And each story contributes to the, contributes to the sphere that each one has been given. Does everybody understand up to this point? If we read, to to go further into that point, if we read Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Did you know that you are God's workmanship? You were created by God to do specific good works that he prepared you for before you were even born. And it says here that we should walk in them. And you know how you come to find what you were prepared for? Can anybody give me an idea? See if I can hear it. How do you come to find what are these good works that you're prepared for? Prayer is a good idea, but there's an even simpler one. Repenting is is a good step. But what I was going to say is you come to know that because it's already inside of you. Some of you guys, since you were little girls, you were really, really sassy like my sister. Some of you guys, basically you came out of the womb singing a song. Some of you guys, you started writing at a really young age. You started drawing at a really young age. Some of you guys are really good at math. Some of you guys are really good at science. And those talents, those natural talents that God has put in you, he placed in you before you were ever born. So that you can do good works that were prepared and predestined just for you. So you never have to compare yourself to somebody else. You never have to say, you know what, but I wish I was a little bit smarter like she is. Or I wish I was a little bit thicker like she is. Or I wish I was a little bit thinner like she is. None of that really matters because you have everything you need. You may not have everything you want in your life, but you have everything you need to be who God called you to be. Anybody with me so far? So, thank you. So when we go back to Leah and Rachel, we see that in verse 35, in chapter 29, verse 35, Leah kind of, I guess she discovers this or she has a revelation, like, wait a second, what am I doing? And 
she seems to have a change in heart. She seems to have a change in attitude. Because in 29.35, it says, once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. And she named him Judah. For she said, this time, say with me, this time, I will praise the Lord. See, Leah got another gift from God. And this time, she said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and think about what I don't have. I'm not going to sit here and think about my circumstance. I'm not going to sit here and think about woe is me. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not pretty. I'm not smart. My husband doesn't love me. I'm not going to sit here and think about that. This time, I'm going to praise the Lord for what he gave me. I'm going to praise the Lord for the talent that he gave me. Understanding that the talents that God gave me are directly tied to my purpose in him. And do you guys want to know what happened with that son? Are you into the juicy story? Into it now? This fourth son, his name is Judah. And the Bible tells us that Judah is one of the ancestors of Jesus. So because Leah was able to praise God instead of comparing herself to her sister, and she gave praise and she dedicated this child to God, through this child came the blessing of the entire world. Because through this child came the Savior of the world. How amazing is that? That at 14 years old, God was already setting up Leah's story to make her the ancestress of Jesus. Like, I wish I could know that somewhere along the, ri- uh, somewhere along the line, I was going to have children, and the children of my children of my children were going to literally change the world, and we're going to be men and women of God. God was setting up Leah's story from the time she was 14 years old to do this good work. And it may have seemed to Leah at the beginning like, man, God forgot about me. He only loves my sister. He gave my sister this wonderful gift and he didn't give me anything. But the truth is that God was giving her exactly what she needed. But when we look over to Rachel, Rachel, oh, and, and let me tell you guys one more thing. After Leah has this, this child, Judah, it seems that her attitude, her, her attitude adjustment, it seems that it sticks because then she continues having more children. She has five more children. I'm telling you, this Leah, she was, she was, she really liked being a mom. Is I guess what we could say there. So she has five more children. And do you guys want to hear what they were named? Okay, so tell your neighbor, shh. So she has a child named Gad, which means how fortunate I am. Then she has another child named Asher, which means what joy, let us celebrate. She has a child named Issachar, which, says, which means God has rewarded me. She has a child named Zebulon. So write these down for your baby names in the future. She has a child named Zebulon, which means God has given me a precious gift. And then finally, after all these boys... She has a little girl. Because who doesn't want to have a little girl after having all these boys? And she names the little girl Dinah, and Dinah means justice. She decided to be proud of her story. She decided to say, you know what? This story is just. God has done something through me. I may not have done what I wanted to do or what, like Alyssa was talking about last night, I may not have done what was right according to my own story, but I accomplished what I needed to accomplish for God's story in my life. And when you discover that about yourself, 
you gain a confidence. One of the questions that somebody asked us during the panel is how, how can you be confident? One of the answers to that is you stop comparing yourselves to other people and you start looking at what God has given you. Some of you guys in here, like I said before, you have amazing talents to do amazing things. But you're so busy wanting someone else's talent that you don't see it. Some of you guys are amazing writers, but what you want to do is lead worship. Or you're amazing worship leaders, but what you want to do is preach. Or you're amazing preachers, but what you want to do is be a prophet. You're handing out false prophecies <laughs> left and right trying to be a prophet. It's not working for you. You know, you want to be in this place because it looks glamorous or because, you know what happens to us a lot of times? The grass is always greener on the other side. So like even, I brought my sister up here and, and I'm 25 years old now and, and I've, I've really come to be able to love and appreciate who I am. But let me tell you guys something, when we were younger, when we were a lot younger, sometimes it would hurt my feelings because I would get compared to my sister. Sometimes like the older ladies in the church, I was talking to somebody about how sometimes older ladies in church are a little bit mean sometimes. Um, you guys are like my mom. Talk about your mom. Um, Sometimes, you know, the older ladies in church or different people in church, they'll be like, yeah, you know, the pastor's daughter. Which one? The older one? No, the cuter one. So sad, right? Maybe that's why God kept me like fun size so I could say I was cute forever. But, yeah, when we were younger, you know, it was always like, oh, my gosh, look, Jessie, she's doing something so funny. Oh, my gosh, look, Jessie, her hair is so long and beautiful. Oh, my gosh, look, Jessie, this. And sometimes, you know, I would feel left out. I would feel bad. I was older. You know, when she was in her ripeness, like the, the height of her cuteness, I was already going through puberty. And, and puberty for me was, was not, not cute at all. Like, God bless you if, if you're going through it and, it and it's working out good for you. I was ugly. That's why I didn't show you guys a picture of me through puberty. No, no, no. I showed you a picture when I was cute. Nobody could see the pictures of me through puberty. But I was not cute at all. But, and so sometimes I would get caught up thinking like, man, you know, I wish I was more like my sister or my brother. My brother, I don't know if you guys know my brother, but he can play literally any instrument ever created. You put it in my brother's hand and he will play it and then he'll sing like an angel. And everybody in my family sings, but I was always like, man, it's so easy for my brother to just sing and, and, and do these songs so easily and play these instruments. And I was always comparing myself to my brothers or sisters until one day God showed me that none of my brothers and sisters have some of the leadership skills that I have. None of my brothers and sisters are as bossy as me and that has worked out in my life. None of my brothers and sisters, you know, or, or I can't say none of them, but my brothers and sisters don't have the same things I have. So when I started to look at myself and say, you know what, but I am organized and I'm structured and I may not be as loud or as outgoing, but I think things through and I can be an asset to wherever I'm placed and wherever God places me using who I am. Unfortunately, and I'm going to wrap this up now because I'm running out of time, but unfortunately, Rachel was never able to stop desiring what her sister she was so beautiful. The Bible literally opens up saying she was beautiful. When you, when you meet her, 
or in the Bible, or like when, you know, when, when you meet her like on screen, if this is ever a movie, or like when you're reading in the chapter, you can even tell that she's popular, everybody loves her, because there's like a bunch of shepherds tending the flock, and Jacob comes, and he asks them some questions, they're like, oh yeah, Laban's daughter, she's about to come down, and you know, when she comes down, she's got everything figured out, people admired her, she was loved, and not only that, but her husband loved her so much. But she was never, ever able to stop desiring what her sister had. Listen to this. Even when she had children of her own. Even after years of prayer, after years of probably fasting, after years of asking God for something, God finally gives her the desire of her heart. And do you want to know what she does? She instantly thinks about comparing herself with her sister. In Genesis 30, 22, it says, Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she said, God has removed my disgrace. And she named him Joseph, for she said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. So God gives her a son, and the first thing she says is, whew, now I'm not going to be in competition with my sister anymore. I finally got one up on her. That's literally what she thought about first. And then the second thing she thought about the second thing she says is she says, God, give me one more so I can still like, you know, so I can be a little bit closer to getting even. Immediately, because you know what happens? When you get stuck in the vicious cycle of being incontent, is that a word? Not being content, let's say that, not being content with who you are, then it doesn't matter what God gives you, you won't be happy. Her whole life she thought she wasn't happy because she, ha she hadn't had a baby. But then finally she has a baby and she's still not happy. She's saying, God, give me one more. One more for good measure. And then listen to what happens when she has that one more. Um, like it's kind of a sad story because Rachel, she actually ends up passing away in childbirth. Having her second son, which I think is kind of ironic, like she's asking God, give me babies, give me babies, give me babies, and babies is eventually what, what brings her end. And in Genesis 35, 18, it says, Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath. Guys, what would you do with your last breath? I feel like with my last breath, I'm going to try to make it epic, and I'm going to try to say something like, Jesus, I'm coming. Or I'm going to try to say something like, tell all the lives I've changed, it was worth it. <laughs> but this girl, with her last breath, she says, with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of many sorrows. But the baby's father changed his name and called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. See, Rachel, up until her last breath, up until her dying day, she was never happy with what God gave her. So much so that even her husband noticed. Her husband that loved her so much, that worked 14 years so he can be with her. Imagine how it was living with somebody who was constantly unhappy. Imagine how it was. Do you want to know how I, I, I like to believe, or, or not I like to believe, but I truly believe in my heart that Leah's story was set up in such a way that her purpose was to be the ancestress of Christ. And we see that she reached that. 
And I think Rachel's story, her purpose was set up in a way for her to give an example of a good and a loving marriage. Both of them are amazing things. Both of them are things to be proud of, things to rejoice in, things to thank God that he chose you for. Only Rachel never reached her purpose because we never see her actually being happy with her husband. This beautiful marriage that God designed, de, desired to give her, she never took advantage of it. And you know what the Bible says? And, and this is so funny. I didn't, I didn't mention this here, but when I was reading it, I literally thought this was hilarious. The Bible says that one day she traded her husband for some fruit. That's how, like, that's how much she took him for granted. The Bible literally says that one day she was walking through the field and she saw her sister's son and he had some mandrakes, which I don't know what those are. It's not Drake, that's a man. Has nothing to do with Drake. But she had, she had like a fruit or a vegetable, I don't know, that's called a mandrake. And the Bible says that Leah, you know, she, she desired to, to be with Jacob. She probably wanted to have another 15 babies. So the Bible says that Rachel asked her, Rachel said, hey, can I have one of those fruits? And Leah was like, okay, if you let me lay with my, our husband tonight, I'll give you the fruit. And she was like, yeah, sure. And for some fruit, she gave that guy away. He worked 14 years for her and she gave him away for fruit. And I know some of you guys think that's crazy, but that's exactly what's going to happen if you don't learn to be happy with yourself. You'll find a man who loves you, who honors you, who cherishes you, and you won't even be able to be happy with him or enjoy your marriage because you'll be so concerned with what other people have. I know so many girls that they say, when I get married, I'll be happy. I just don't like being single. And then they get married and they're like, when I have a baby, I'll be happy because all my friends have babies and I'm, I'm you know, I'm getting up there. My biological clock is ticking. I got to make this happen. And then they have a baby and they're like, my babies do not behave like my friend's babies. These babies are bad. I don't know what to do. When they start behaving better, I'll feel better. And then the, the babies grow up a little bit and they're in school and they're like, no, when my kids get out of school, I'll be happy because they're driving me nuts right now. And then the kids get out of school and they're like, I wish my kids were babies again. And they spend their whole lives unhappy. And you know what, guys? That's part of the curse that the enemy placed on women. I don't know if you guys know this, but in the book of Genesis, when the Bible tells us that Eve commits the first sin, right? And Eve, you guys all know that story, right? Eve commits the sin, she eats the forbidden fruit. And the Bible says that God tells her that the, the punishment for her sin or the curse would be that her desire would be for her husband and not for God. You know that when you go back into the original Hebrew, what that means, that word, it's not actually husband. What it actually means is your desire will be for man, which what it actually means, like when you, when you delve in and you study it, it means that the curse that was placed on women because of sin is that our desire will always be to please the people around us. That's part of the curse that the enemy wants to place over our life. That no matter what God does in us, we will worry more about what's going on with the people around us and how we look and how people perceive us and do they think I'm nice or do they think I'm pretty or do they think I'm okay or do I look okay or do I look kind of chubby or we're worried so much about that that we don't even care what God is doing in our life. And Rachel and Leah are an example of that curse, of sisters who grew up their whole lives desiring what the other person had. Only Leah decided to break that curse. Leah said, you know what, this time 
I'm praising the Lord. I'm not going to worry about what my sister has. I'm not going to worry that I don't have this, that I don't have that, that I don't have the money she has, I don't have the followers she has, I don't have the body she has, I don't have the makeup palette that she has, I don't have the YouTube channel that she has, I don't have, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. The boyfriend that she has, the shoes that she has, the sneakers that she has, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried instead in what God is doing in me. I know that God is giving me something. And that's why she says, this time I will praise the Lord. I want all of you guys to stand up for one minute. And if the worship team can come up here. And you guys, wait, don't come to the front yet. You don't know what I'm going to ask. What if I said everybody coming to the front has to give me $50? Hey, she's coming. Everybody coming to the front has to... Share a husband with their sister. Yes. So awkward, right? Like, just super awkward. I honestly, I'm so glad that that doesn't happen anymore because if a poor man had to share me and my sister, he'd be dead within like, I don't know. He would not survive. I think probably between, between the both of us, we'd, we'd just... We'd tire him out. And I asked my sister earlier to come up here with me to pray for some of you guys. Because I feel like there's someone in here who their whole story has been sabotaged by a little thought in their mind telling them, yeah, but you don't have blank. You fill in the blank. Maybe the enemy has been telling you, yeah, but you're not smart enough. Yeah, but you're nothing like your sister. Yeah, but you're nothing like your friend. Yeah, but that boy, he broke up with you. Yeah, but this. Yeah, but that. And I love what Stephanie said today, Pastor Stephanie, when she said, we give people too much authority over our lives. We give the comparisons that we make. And you know what? Sometimes we're comparing ourselves to things that don't even exist. I'm going to tell you guys a, a quick story before, before we wrap this up. I once went to this prayer meeting. I went to a prayer meeting um, for young couples. My friend asked me to go and, and help minister with her there. And so my friend asked this question. She was talking about comparing, comparing ourselves to others. And she said, so, you know, when was the last time that one of you guys compared yourself to somebody else? And one of the girls raised her hand and she said, well, you know, I compare myself a lot to my ex-husband. I was once married and now I'm divorced and every time I see him with his new wife and their new baby, I always compare myself and I think, is she better? Am I better? Is she prettier? Am I prettier? And it was so funny because this other girl, she comes like out of nowhere. Like she just like comes out of nowhere and she's like, but don't go by their Facebook and Instagram because on my Facebook I look happy and I'm miserable. She literally said that. I was like, this girl keeps it real. She was like, me and my husband look like we're happy on our Instagram and we're miserable. And you know what? Some of you guys, you compare yourselves to other people and you let your heart be hurt and you let yourself be discouraged. And what that person has is not even real. Who knows if one day you're going through someone's Instagram and you're like, man, I wish I had this girl's life. And that girl is at her house looking at your Instagram saying, man, I wish I had that girl's life. Because it's all relative. My mom used to tell me, 
when I was younger, I related a lot to Alyssa's story because when I was younger, you know, I used to compare myself a lot to my brothers and my sisters. And like I said, people were mean and they would tell me, your brother has a nice nose and your nose is not cute. And your sister, she's little and, and cute and you're not that cute. And I had a really low self-esteem because of people telling me that. And when I used to tell my mom about it, my mom was like, look, everybody has something. She's like, maybe you don't like this about yourself. You don't like your arms. You don't like your nose. You don't like, you know, your crusty toes. You don't like whatever it may be. But she said, but I guarantee you that you have something that someone else wants. And I'm going to tell you guys that same thing today. As, as an older sister, as a pastor, you may not have everything. There are things that you're missing. Of course there are. God doesn't make super, super women, robots that are good at absolutely everything and have perfect bodies and can remember everything and can do everything all the time. Don't go by the bloggers. Don't go by the bloggers because, you know, you see them, they're walking to NYC, like their outfit's perfect, their hair is perfect. Guys, they literally hired a photographer. Who do you think took that picture? They're not catching them like off guard like in NYC, like, no. They're posing for that picture. They probably walked down that same little street 80 times to get the picture right. You can't go by them. And you know what happens to us? We go by them. We go by people who've had loads of plastic surgery and that's how we want our bodies to look. We go by people who have millions of dollars to hire publicists to say that they have all these accomplishments and we don't even know if they've really accomplished those things. We're going off of something fake, but God wants to give you something real and something that is only yours. And it's not, it's not going to be perfect, but it is going to be only yours. And you are the best person for it. See, my family is not perfect. My sister is not perfect, but she's my sister. My Husband may not be perfect, he's close, really close, but he's my husband. My body may not be perfect, but you know what? This is my body. So, well, these girls are ready to come up, but I want you guys to meditate for a second. I want you to close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to meditate for a second on what are the things that God has given you, the talents that God has put inside your life, the things that you know you're good at, that no one can tell you that you don't have. And I want you for a second to give thanks to God for those things. Say, Lord, thank you for making me smart, Thank you because I'm loved. Thank you. Whatever it is, you, you come up with a prayer on your own. Don't wait for me to pray for it. I just want everyone to close their eyes and say, Lord, thank you. For a minute or two, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if maybe you don't know anything that you can be thankful for. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what are the things he's prepared you for. Some of you guys in here, you have a mind for medicine. You could be the future doctors. Some of you guys in here, you love to read. 
You, you love to maybe argue and use logic. You could be the future lawyer. Some of you guys in here are future politicians. Some of you guys in here are future pastors. But you'll never get there if you're always desiring what someone else has. Oh my goodness, what an amazing message. I hope you received from it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at The Pink Lid to keep up to date with everything going on. In future podcasts, we're going to be sharing all the fun things we are planning for conference this October. We're so excited to share that with you. And remember, there are only 600 tickets this year, so space is going to fill up really fast. Go to thepinklid.com for tickets, more information about speakers, sessions, and more. And remember, you were created by God, your worth comes from God, and you are loved by God. Oh, 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 oh.